The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. How many of y'all remember Pudge? <laughs> he was one of the best, I think. He was one of my favorite players. And uh, I, uh, there, that thing is about four minutes long. It was just highlights of him. And we've been talking about spring training. We was at Six Flags. I had actually taken my youth group to Six Flags when I was at Fairview. And uh, I said, that's Pudge Rodriguez. They said, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is, too. It's Pudge and his whole family. And uh, back then they had a baseball throwing thing that you could throw and they'd measure your speed. And uh, I said, I'm going to go ask him to throw a baseball. And I was like, yeah, don't do that. That's not even him. I said, it, that's Pudge. So... Uh, I walked over there and I said, "Hey, I'll pay for a, I'll pay for it if you'll throw the baseball." He didn't say anything. He did speak very good English. He just went to the front of the line, picked up a baseball, and threw it about 120 miles an hour is what it registered. Can you believe that? And uh, that was just cold turkey. No warm up. No. Uh, uh, no anything. Of course, he's just, you know, throwing it from here to that wall, so it was right off his hand when they measured it, but uh, he threw it and then just turned around and smiled and walked off, you know, uh, but what a guy, you know, and uh, we're talking about uh, the next few weeks, just spring training. This is the second week, and it's about the second week in spring training for the baseball season. We talked last week about uh, the Gnostics and how they came into the church, and they were they were uh, they were spreading false claims, and uh, John came in, and he began to write about uh, some basic things that he wanted this church to get back to the basics, and uh, that's why I was thinking about spring training and getting back to the basics, and uh, this, this morning, we was talking about uh, throwing out some false claims, and uh, I wanted to start with Pudge, kind of a theme of our of our uh, topic this the next few weeks, baseball, and uh, he was one of the best at throwing things out. And if you think about what's happening in baseball, this may be a weak analogy, but uh, they are trying to steal a base. Uh, they didn't earn, they're going to steal it, and, and uh, Pudge is trying to keep them from doing that. And what Satan does, the Bible says, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what's taking place in this church that John is writing to is Satan has come and he is trying to steal away what they have been taught. And so John begins to throw out some false claims and identify those false claims. And in doing that, he's revealing what the truth of the word is. Now, uh, several years ago, there was a noted psychiatrist named Carl Meninger, and he wrote a book uh, entitled, Whatever Happened to Sin?, and in this book, it said, he says, it was once, or it was a word once on everyone's mind, but now rarely, if ever heard. It's not only that someone may be stupid or sick or just a criminal, anxiety and depression we all acknowledge, and even vague guilt feelings, but no one has ever committed any sins anymore. Where, indeed, has sin gone and what has become of it? And what he's pointing out here is that uh, in our society today, many refuse to admit that there's any sin. And if you look around and list, listen to what people say, and sin, at least in the eyes of some, is just an old-fashioned concept. It's something that, that we need to move on from, and, and because of that, we see in our country today that there's really not much 
are any moral absolutes anymore because if it's okay with you, then it should be okay with everyone else. And, and after all, it's all about us and we're all a part of God and there's good that lives in all of us. Remember, that's what the Gnostics said and that's what this New Age movement is, is that there's a spirit in us and our spirit is good and, and all we have to do is work through that. So uh, just to think about this and to give you some examples, what happens when we have a a big tragedy, like a, a, a mass shooting, and those are tragedies. And then people get on TV and they uh, spend uh, hours and days and weeks analyzing what happened. And when that happens, you get all kinds of excuses, don't you? You get everything from uh, bullying to violent movies to video games to uh, how they were raised or uh, pharmaceutical antidepressants. And, and you get all of these ideals and guns are the problem and, and all of these different things. But no one ever mentions sin, do they? Have you ever heard that mentioned? Have you ever heard Satan and the, uh, the, the moral decline of our society mentioned when some tragedy happens? Rarely, if ever, do you hear that. And that's because we've kind of taken sin out of the picture. That's something that we don't want to include anymore. And John tells us in our text this morning that there's really only two available options when it comes to sin. We can either deny it or we can deal with it. And that's what he says, and denial really is the most popular choice today. So uh, we like denial, we like to make excuses uh, instead of admitting our sin and the impact of sin and the decree of our sin or the consequences of our sin. So in verse 5, this is 1 John. <clears throat> I should have told you to go ahead and turn there. 1 John chapter 5. Um, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 is where we're going to start this morning. So 1 John 1, 5. This is the message. Now, I want to remind you before we go here, last week we talked about these false teachers that's coming to the church. So this is just continuing on uh, what John is talking about, what he's teaching here. He says, this is the message which we brought from you. Uh, he, he wrote last week that he's writing about these things, that, our joy, that their joy may be complete. He's reminding them about the basic things that he had taught them. And this is the message which you heard from him that we declare to you that God is a light and in him there is no darkness at all. That's where we ended last week. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So as John writes these things, I want, I want to make a statement I want you to remember. Christianity at its core is not a list of rituals and rules. Now, I want you to think about that. Christianity at its core is not a list of rituals and rules. I think most people, if we would say, if we would ask the, the average person out on the street, what is Christianity? For the most part, they're going to say it's, it's an observation of, of rituals and rules. 
That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is a walk of fellowship, a personal fellowship with God the Father. That's what Christianity is. That's all it is. So if we get in our mind that, that Christianity is a set of rituals or a set of rules that we're to follow, we're missing the mark. It, a Christianity is a personal relationship with God the Father. So get out of our mind those things, and, and that's what John is really talking about here. Uh, the, the problem is, and the problem he's dealing with here is, is folks have a sin problem, and they want to list things and, and, and get against a, a list of rules to say, hey, look, I measure out pretty good against these rules. That's what the Pharisees done. They made this list of rules, and, and they twisted and bent the words around to where they could live by the law. So when anyone talked about sin, they'd say, hey, <clears throat> we're keeping all the law over here. So, so John is addressing this, and he makes it clear that fellowship with God is, is not a matter of just being chummy with the man upstairs, but it's really, it's really walking in light. When we have a relationship with God, he expects us as his children to walk in light as he is in the light. So John lays out some some false claims. He throws these out for the church. And he says, here are some, some false claims. And, and it's verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10 is where he uh, lays these out. And he gives three things about these. And this is what we're going to look at. Three false claims. The first false claim is this. You can be a Christian and still live in habitual sin. That's the claim that's made. And when he does this, in each of these statements, he's going to give us a claim he gives us the consequences, and then he gives us a contrast. So the claim, the first claim, and we find it in verse 6 and 7 here, is that we can be a Christian and still live, here's the key word, in habitual sin. The claim, it doesn't matter if I sin. This is what the word says. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. Okay, first of all, he says, if we say, that little word if is a suppositional conjunction. Isn't that great? I read that. But listen, what it means is there's two different words uh, for if in the Greek, okay? And, and this is important for us to understand. The one word is just ea, which, which means if, and this word is e-a-n, and, and this word means suppose. That's, that's what that word translate if. So what John is saying here, he's saying suppose, where it says if we say, suppose we say we have a relationship with God, but we continue to walk in sin. So as, as the, the, the readers of this letter, that, that's what they would have read. Suppose you say you have a relationship with sin, <clears throat> and, or uh, have a relationship with him, and you walk in darkness, or you continue to walk in sin. John describes their, their moral conduct as walking in darkness, walking in obscurity, walking in dimness, not the absence of light. And he describes a habitual way of walking, a, a way of life. And he says those who do that are, are continuing to walk in darkness. In other words, they're claiming to have a relationship with God, but they, they claim that, but they walk willfully and stubbornly in sin day after day after day after day. The consequences of that, that was the claim. The consequences we find in the second part of verse 6, he says we lie. <coughs> he says you're lying and you do not practice the truth. 
So to those in the church that he's writing, he says, there are those there that say, I have fellowship with Christ, but I'm walking daily in sin. He says, because of that, we've lied, and they've taken the, 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 uh, the position that uh, we lie and we don't practice the truth. That's what he's talking about. That's the, that's the consequence of sin. We can't tolerate sin in a habitual way and claim that we're Christians. I mean, if we claim that we're Christian and then we just go on sinning day after day after day after day. Now, I don't want you to get ahead of me here. Don't say, well, we all sin, so there's no way we can reach that. No, that's not, that's, that's not what John's talking about. He's talking about someone who just willfully goes on sinning day after day after day. He says they're walking in, they're walking in darkness and the truth is not in them. Now, listen to the contrast to this. Verse 7, but... If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Those who walk in the light do so as a reflection of God. They're walking in light as a reflection of God in their life. Their general pattern of their lives, their day-to-day lives, their actions, their attitudes, their, their, they reflect a relationship with God. So he says, if you, if you go on sinning and say you have a relationship with God, you really don't have a relationship, you're walking in darkness. But on the other hand, if your, li- if your life is reflecting the Word of God, the glory of God, you have a relationship with Him. So he, fa- he throws out the false claim that's been put out in that church that, that you can uh, live any kind of life you want, you can go out and sin all you want and still claim to be a Christian. He says, that's false. You're walking in the darkness and you're not practicing the truth. Here's the second false claim that he throws out. As a Christian, you can attain a level at which you no longer sin. Now, I know some people that actually claim that, that they, that they have come to a point in their life, they're, they're, they're not in this church, so don't start thinking who that might be. They're at a former church that I was at, but, but they really came to a point that, that they felt like they just, they just didn't sin anymore. They had grown that much spiritually. Listen to what John says about that. If we say we have no sin, that's the claim. The, the first statement about sin was uh, it was possible to have fellowship with God and still walk in sin habitually. <coughs> Excuse me. The second claim here is that through some process of enlightenment, and that's what the Gnostics claimed, that they had this higher enlightenment, that they had come to a point that they had, had, had attained no more sin in their life, and, and that was an issue that they had to deal with. And as that, listen to what J. Vernon McGee says. Some of y'all have probably heard of him. My friend, if you feel you've reached the state of perfection, I really feel sorry for your spouse because it's hard to live with someone who is, who is perfect. If, we're not going to ever reach that point of perfection in our Christian walk, in our Christian life. We're, we're just not going to reach that. And, and the claim here is, is I no longer sin. Listen to the consequences, he says in the second part of verse 8. He says, when we reach that point, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we would sit here today and say, well, I've reached, I've reached some point in my life now. I, I just don't have to deal with sin anymore. I, I, I don't sin daily. I, uh, I just don't have to worry about that. John says, well, you're deceiving yourself, and the truth is not in you. That's the ultimate self, uh, self-deception, and and." The reason we do so or we're deceived about the truth is, I think, in today's society is, is we don't like to admit our sin. 
And like I said at the beginning, we like to change the names and change the reasons and give excuses and all of those different things. So I think it's easy for, for people to come to that, that ideal that, you know, I just don't sin anymore. And we begin to think about our actions. And in our actions, we think, well, I, I went all day today and I didn't do any of these things that are biggies. So I don't think I sinned at all today. And I think when we get to that point, uh, we're, we're missing the point about, about what God's Word has to say about sin. If we come to that point, we're deceiving ourselves. This battle lasts a lifetime. Our battle with sin, it, 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 it lasts a lifetime. And, and God comes in and He gives us forgiveness and we come into the light and we're saved and our sins are forgiven. But it's an ongoing battle with sin, and, and the truth enters us, and the, and, and the light reveals our sin. What did the law do? The law revealed sin. What Christ does is he comes in and he reveals our sin. Now, the mark, I want you to hear this, the mark of a true believer is not being without sin, but being conscious of sin. If, if you struggle with that, am I a true believer? The mark is not, is not I'm, I'm without sin, I've, mo- I've passed the point of sin, because we're all going to sin, the point of uh, the mark of a true believer is being conscious of that sin and, and realizing that we have that sin in our life. We need that. We need to, we need to apply that personally. It, it's a way of life. And, and allowing uh, our God to, uh, God to permeate our thoughts, our actions, our, our motives, our words, our deeds, all of those things. When we fail to do that, then we are walking in darkness. Here's the contrast I love this passage of Scripture. I I use this uh, passage of Scripture all the time. And that's verse 9, 1 John. And if if you don't have that underlined in your Bible, you ought to underline it. 1 John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, or He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful <coughs> and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now this verse, I want to explain this a little bit, and I want to spend just a little bit of time here, and then we'll move on and be finished. It's kind of contrast to other scriptures that where we're taught that when we're forgiven, our sins are forgiven forever. You know, you hear this taught, and that's true, that, that when, we, when we accept Jesus Christ, like Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we're saved, we're given all the salvation we'll ever get. We're, our sins from the past, our sins from the present, and our sins for the future are forgiven when we accept Jesus Christ. When we, when we confess that we need a Savior. Well, then we read this, this passage. It says we need to confess our sins, and He is faithful and just to forgive us. And cleanse us. So sometimes we can take that scripture and say, you know, that kind of contradicts what we teach about salvation. So let's look at this a little bit. When we look at verse 9, it says confess. That's a, that's a present tense. That's something that, that John is saying. That's something we do. It, it's present tense. It's something that we continually do. The word forgiveness and cleanse in the Greek, that's an orist tense. That, that means it's an action that's already been completed. So as John's re- writing this, and his readers are reading, he's, when they look at, at forgive and cleanse, they'll understand that's something that's been completed. But when they look at confess, that's something that's, 
that's a presence tense. Now, let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about and maybe clear this up a little. In John, at John 3.16, y'all know John 3.16, where it says believe, or if you go into King James, believeth, that's a present tense. That's what John's writing. A person who believes, they, they receive the full benefit of salvation. When you receive the full benefit of salvation, do you stop believing? No, you don't stop believing. So you continue to believe. He goes on believing that Jesus, what Jesus did for us on the cross, so a Christian is characterized by the lifestyle of Christ. It's something that we go on believing. In a similar way, a Christian's life is, is marked by continual confessions of sin. Now, what that means, let me give you an example of that. Do you remember when Jesus washed the disciples' feet? In that passage, Jesus has his disciples there, and he begins to wash their feet. You remember what happened when he went to Peter? Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, yeah, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter said, well, if you're going to wash my feet, why not wash my whole body? And what Jesus said, you remember what he answered? He said to them, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. So, so what, what Jesus said to Peter was this, Peter, if you've had a bath, you're clean. And you've been out walking around, so your feet got dirty. So only your feet need washing. Now, that was the custom of the day. In other words, when someone come to your house, and they came, and, and you had a servant at the door, what did that servant do? They washed the dust off their feet before they come into the house. Their body was clean, but their feet was dirty. Well, Jesus is saying here, this bath represents salvation. The, the bath is the cleansing of the whole body. And when Jesus is talking to Peter, he says, you don't need a bath. Your body is clean. Your body's been cleansed. What you need is just the cleaning up of the dust that's off of your feet. So when it comes to us, we come to this passage in, in verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Our sins have been forgiven, but you know what? Because of the, the world we live in, because of our sin, we get some dust on our feet. And when we get that dust on our feet, we can't walk with Christ as He desires that we walk with Him. So when, he, when, he, when we confess our sins, and it's an ongoing process, then He's washing that away, so to speak, and we can walk as He would have us to walk. That doesn't mean we've lost our salvation. That doesn't mean that our sin has, has, has taken us over again, because our sins are forgiven. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. We sing about that. But in our daily life, we get in a slump. You know, baseball players get in a slump. We're in a slump, and we need something to get us out. In our Christian life, we get in some kind of funk, or we get in some kind of slump, and, and we go and we confess our sins, and God forgives us. He cleanses us, and He gets us back on the right path. That's what it's talking about here. So, so don't say that there's, there's some kind of uh, difference between what we teach at Salvation and what we teach in, in 1 John here. It's simply a process of coming back and saying, Lord, I just need to lay my sins at your feet. I need to confess that I'm a sinner. He washes us and puts us back on the path that we should go. Here's the third false statement that John points out. There's no such thing as sin. This is our last thing. The claim is this. If we say that we have never sinned, if we say we have never sinned, the phrase, we have not sinned, you know, I think we see this more today in people that we say, he's just a good old guy. She's just a good old girl. She, 
Man, they've, they've lived a good life. Have y'all not all heard that? I mean, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? They've, they've been a good person. They always help out. They always do this. They always do that. You know what that is? That's somebody that's saying, you know what? They really never have sinned. The problem with that is we inherit sin at birth, don't we? The Bible says we're, we're children of Adam. We're sons of Adam. And, and, and because of that, we've inherited that sinful nature. So the claim that if we have never sinned, and, and people that say they've never sinned, I think that goes right back to how we started. We point out all kinds of excuses and all kinds of reasons, and we change the name of sin to, to instead of, a, 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 instead of a, a adultery, it's an affair. Instead of a lie, it's bending the truth. Instead of sexual perversion, it's sexual orientation. We, we go and we begin to change all of those names that ease the edge of sin and and so when we get in, that, uh, get in that situation, we begin to look at our lives and say, you know what, I, I really don't think I've sinned. And, and it's because we've changed the edge of that. And so the claim that we saw the Gnostics putting out in this church is, is if we claim we have not sinned, listen to the consequences. These are serious consequences. It says in verse 10, if we claim that we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. And His Word is not in us. John says when we take that position, we make God out to be a liar. His word's not in us. So, so who is right? The, the man that denies the reality of sin or uh, generally himself says that, that I've just not sinned? We, we know that's not true. So we make God out to be a liar when we say that. And, and Romans 6.23 tells us this, that we have all sinned and we all need a Savior. We've all fallen short of, of God's plan. And if, if we come up and, and we say we haven't sinned, then actually we're saying we don't need a Savior. We don't need God. We don't need Jesus Christ. We don't, know, we don't need any of those things. So, so that's, the, that's the consequences. Here's the contrast. And this is interesting to me how John closes this. And, and this is 1 John chapter 2, <coughs> verses 1 and 2. <coughs> Excuse me. When we fail, we have an advocate. Listen to this. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate. That simply means a lawyer or a go-between, someone that represents us. If we do sin, we have someone to go between us with the Father, who is Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he he himself... It's a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the world's. Throughout these, these verses, John has been telling the reader that sin is inherent to us as humans. I mean, sin is something that, that everyone does. Sin is something that all of us have to deal with, and, and he writes us that he does not want us to sin. That's God's desire for us. But the problem is, we're going to sin. We, we cannot... Uh, we cannot not sin, even after we've accepted Christ, and even after we're in a relationship with Christ, there's still going to be some things in our life where we sin. And, and when, we, when we come before Father daily and we confess our sins, John wants us to understand we have someone who goes before the Father. And in my mind, it's the picture that, that when God looks at me and he looks at Jake and he, he sees me as a sinner, and Jesus Christ goes before the Father... And he looks at me through the blood of Jesus. And when he looks at me through the blood of Jesus, you know what he sees? 
He sees somebody that's, that's cleansed, that's white as snow. And, and Jesus Christ says, uh, God the Father, he's one of your children, and, and I, he, I've paid for his sins, and he's been forgiven, and, and he's, he confesses that he's a sinner and that he needs forgiveness and that, that he needs the blood of Jesus to cover him, and, and he's arguing my case between myself and God the Father. And that's what John is teaching us here, that, that when we do sin, and, and we will sin, we don't, we don't fall away, we don't need to get depressed and quit the team and leave the church, but he says we need to confess our sins, and he's faithful and just, and he's going to forgive us, and he's going to cleanse us, and he's going to go to the Father, and he's going to plead our case. Griffin Thomas, a doctor, he, he wrote this word, If any man sins, we have an advocate. There is no allowance for sin, but a perfect provision in case we do sin. No need to sin, no right to sin, no compromise with sin, no license, but provisions just in case we do. Like on board a ship, the provisions of lifeboats is not associated with any inheritance or any intention to have a shipwreck, but they're there just in case we need them. And when it is said, if any man sins, we have an advocate in the provisions in case of the need. We sing a song that says, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. And you know, when we think about our relationship with Christ and we think about the sin within our life, we need our Father every hour. Every minute of the day we need Him. When we sin... You know what the Bible says? We need to confess our sins. I think something about confession is this. You know, we don't go to a, a priest or, or have to go through a pastor. Jesus Christ took care of that on the cross. But I think when we need to confess our sins, I think we need to name our sins. You know what? We're, it's easy for us to do sometimes to just say, Lord, just forgive me of all my sins. But when you start confessing your sins before God, I think you realize the need that you have before God the Father. Let's bow our heads together this morning and... Uh, we're going to have a, a short time of invitation, and I want to ask you this morning, do you, do you regularly, and I'm asking myself, do you regularly confess your sins to Jesus Christ? You know, only through confession do we realize what we gain through our Lord and Savior. Only through confession do we experience forgiveness and cleansing. We don't need to do a word study on confess. We know what that is. And I'm not saying you have to confess them to your, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your wife, but to God the Father. Just say, Lord, I failed you in this area. And, Lord, I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me in this area. Through that, I think we have the joy of our salvation. Through that, we're able to, to throw out those things that Satan wants to steal from us and destroy within us. The Lord says this, I have come that you might have joy, and in him our joy may be full and our joy may complete, be complete. If we confess our sins, he's going to forgive us, he's going to cleanse us, and we'll experience what Christ has for us, the joy that he has for us who, who will come to him, who will ask and confess.